Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. It's 410 on the clock. This is our December 27th, 2007 edition of the show, last show of the year. And so we're getting underway a little bit late today, so we had our usual opening music there. The Stooges, I got to write in a little something extra there from Patti Smith, so hope you enjoyed that. As the saying goes, an informed populace is vital to a thriving democracy. And because the mainstream corporate news media are, for the most part, no longer performing this function, people have been turning elsewhere, such as documentary films and, of course, the Internet. In addition to websites and blog sites, there is actually a thriving information exchange occurring on MySpace. For those willing to seek it out, there are some excellent political pages there run by conscientious individuals seeking to educate and be educated. One of the best, one that is daily sharing enormous amounts of information and insights and actually opening and changing minds, is Corporations Ate My Baby. My special guest today is the mysterious L.A.-based man behind this page. He chooses to maintain anonymity and will therefore be referred to as Corp. Corp, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. It's an honor to be with you. Uh, well, it's it's my honor as well, and uh, I have been sharing information with you for quite some time now, for, I don't know, at least a few months. And, yeah, uh, I, I've really enjoyed just our sort of online chats back and forth, and uh, I've learned a lot from your page as well. Well, thank you. And uh, so let's let's get right into this. Tell us about the, the process that led you to starting this page, what you were trying to accomplish, and uh, why you chose that name. Well... Let's let's start with why I chose the name, which is um, <clears throat> I've always had this feeling or this sense that something was wrong, you know. And I think all of us have. I think any of us listening to the show uh, feel like there's something wrong, and we need to understand what it is. And I had a moment where I sort of thought I kind of grabbed onto the problem, you know, all that money in in our uh, political system, and that it came from the corporations. And so I felt like. Man, the corporations are really uh, taking over my uh, my democratic republic. And then I found that image. I found this great image of a little baby covered in tattoos of uh, of corporate corporate logos. And I went, corporations? Yeah, yeah, that's it. My my little my little baby democracy is being covered up in these logos. And that just felt like the way to start. It also seemed funny, and it seemed welcoming. And it didn't seem as serious as all those pyramids with the eyes on top. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is true. And, and anytime you can catch people with humor, it opens them up a little. They're more receptive to hearing uh, what you've got to say, unless they are just an extreme uh, uh, conspiracy kook, and you know they're not wanting to hear anything that's outside of their theory. So, yeah, well, I mean, you know, if you think about it, the the brain that thinks isn't afraid. The brain that's afraid has trouble thinking. It just wants to spot an enemy and go crazy. And I admit that that's sort of where I started from. Um, I, I, think that, I think that 9-11 left me a bit numb, mm-hmm. and I don't think I really processed it. You know, I think I already had that kind of conspiratorial mind, like, mm, something's not right with that. You know, I, I, knew it, I knew within a couple of days that, uh, that 9-11 wasn't what, I, what we were told it was. But that's yeah, <laughs> you know, having been in the music industry for a long time, if you hang out with musicians, most of most of us are, are 
very conspiratorial anyway. We always think every, you know, we, we, you know, we're always going, hey, man, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's Big Brother, man, you know. So that was kind of something that I think just kind of went along with my normal personality. It wasn't until Kerry lost the election and I knew something was wrong. I could feel it. Something was really wrong. There's no way that a war that unpopular and, and that all of that doubt and all of that anguish about what was happening to our country would have led to George W. Bush winning again. And, I mean, I watched TV like everybody else did, and they had all these reasons why the exit polls didn't match, and I just knew something was wrong. And, but somehow that, that week after the election, just kind of, I was bedridden. I mean, I was literally just barely working and kind of depressed. And I found out that my sister was as well, you know, and, and we hadn't talked the whole week or two weeks, and we talk a lot, and we didn't talk at all. And, and then I found out other people were. We, we all just kind of went, how could that happen? And that's about the time that I really turned... I started a, an additional MySpace page just to deal with the feelings and, and try to understand. And I think, I think all of us were there. I mean, I think a lot of us who are conscientious were there. Mm-hmm, we sure. were thinking, oh, wait a minute, what is going on here? Something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what don't I understand? Oh, okay, I admit it, I didn't study civics enough. Uh, uh, l- let's figure all this stuff out. And, and the figuring out process was quite a long process. I mean, we do it together, don't we? You know? Yeah, th- and that's the great thing about... Uh about the way that you can network on on MySpace, and it kind of leads me to my, my you know next question. And MySpace gets a lot of bad press, some of it deserved, but it also can do some really interesting and positive things. So let's talk a little bit about MySpace in general yeah. as an education and networking tool, how, how it has advantages over plain old blogs. Well, if you think about it, I mean, you know, as, as you and I are talking about this right now, if we were talking about this in a room full of people who didn't do what we do, they'd start rolling their eyes, of course, because MySpace is so popular, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so sort of present in everyone's conversations and lives that it's sort of a joke. But the truth is the reason it's so successful is because of this incredible interactivity. When, when you're a blogger, and I've considered, and I, I am considering, because my page is up over 800 people now, and it's a lot harder to do what I've been doing uh, than it used to be. Um, and at some point, I might have to go to a standard you know, blog and just kind of post it for people, as you do with your show, by mm-hmm. the way, which I love to go on your, your archives. Um, the, you know, the, 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 the truth is that that there's an interactivity in these pages that you can't get when you do the sort of soft publishing of blogging. Mm-hmm. When you write a blog, you know, you sit down and you compose, you know, something you think is going to be relevant or maybe even great, and then you sort of put it up there and hope for the best. And then people sort of argue underneath it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there's something about being on MySpace where you can, before I ever write a blog, what I do is I do these things called bulletins, which most people know what they are, but for those who don't, a bulletin is sort of only to your friends. So the blogs can be read by anyone in the world, but the the, the bulletins only go to the people that you've chosen to be sort of in your little family, in your little lagoon. Your friends list. Right, your friends list. And your friends list often is just people who sort of think like you, (laughs) right? 
And so that's not necessarily healthy all the time because now you've got a whole group of people who sort of think like you and you're all sort of going, yeah, yeah, you know, to each other. And that's more like those musicians sitting in the back room going, yeah, man, you know. But in a way, what happens is as you sort of stretch your own ideas and you start to discuss, is this incredibly healthy thing happens. People sort of stretch your perception of what you think you believe, you know, and they start to show you new information that you, and it starts to adjust how you were thinking. And I think it's more powerful in some ways to start sort of where you agree and go from there. Oh, yeah. I was just you know? thinking the same thing because, you know, you and I agree, it seems, on, you know, whatever, 90% of the stuff. And that's sure. how we've kind of became friends on MySpace. But occasionally there's something where you have a slightly different opinion or, or than I do. or right. you know, and, and, you know, we're kind of like, well, wait a minute, why are you saying that? And, and then we've got to kind of hash it out. And one of us has to move over a little bit or we both move, a l- you know, toward right. each other. Or we just say, you know, I, I just we're going to have a disagreement on that or well, something. And especially because I, re- I read you, I read your bulletins, you know, mm-hmm. and I read the things you say. I know I respect the way you think. Therefore, when you say something I haven't thought about before, I'm going to stop and let it in. And there's something incredibly powerful about that. Almost like the founding of our nation when you put those, those, uh, those big placards up. That's what they used to do. They used to put these, these sheets up on on public areas, and you'd go up and you'd read it, and you'd go, hmm, do I agree with that? And the whole community would stand around these things, these sheets, these big, long, uh, you know, these big, long, uh, uh, there's a great word for them that we use for something else now. I forgot what it is, but it's, it's, there were these incredible, I'm some, some, you know, somebody's listening going, oh, yeah, you know. But uh, it's, it's one of those things that, 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 that people used to stand around. Then imagine the conversations that would start, people that were your neighbors, people you respected. There might even be fights in front of this big placard, right? But you had this ability to kind of know that where it was coming from and know whether you respected that point of view and then open your mind a little bit. And I think, I think there's something incredibly powerful about that. There has been for me. I started off in a place where I just saw enemies, and I was angry and scared and feeling powerless, uh, you know, and then I, I wanted to, I have that part of my brain that says, I want to figure it out, which is kind of, an, <laughs> <laughs> is kind of maybe that's kind of a human frailty as well, because what I mostly figured out from these years of working on this is human vulnerability is the issue here. We want to believe certain things, and we will you know, and that's what MySpace does. It sort of it makes you go to people who want to believe what you want to believe. But if you do it right, you're going to move past what you want to believe to what you begin to understand has merit, has some facts to it. Um, you, I, I think you've talked a little bit about, on your blogs anyway, about, uh, about uh, Kelly M. 78 and the Rational Response Squad. Yes, yes, we're trying to set her up on the show. <laughs> I never, oh, I can't wait to hear that show. I cannot <laughs> wait to hear that show. Um, I never heard of them, you know, and I would never have heard of them had it not been for MySpace. There's, you know, and when I found out about them, it was a huge revelation because really what they're about is being rational about your thoughts, letting go of belief. My, my page started out as, it's all the corporations, man. And it turned into, um, here are the facts, and I'm letting go of my beliefs about things. 
I'm going to get information now. I'm going to I'm going to stop believing things and I'm going to start finding things out and knowing things. Right? Yeah. And and that's harder to do. And I think most human beings just kind of want to go with what they believe. It's more comfortable. It's more comforting. It's probably ancient. It's in our lower brains. It's in our lizard brains to go with what the tribe says is true. Yeah. And it's really something else, and I think it's very American, you know, very founding fathers to say, mm, why don't we go with what we discover evidence for, you know, uh, as opposed to believing in a, you know, having, having a, 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 a government-defined religion, why don't we just say nature? You know, they say that in the Declaration, and yeah. nature's God, nature. <laughs> Why don't we go with what we can see, what we can measure, what is in the natural world rather than the supernatural? So that was a big turning point for me, and I started to approach politics from, mm, you know what, I'm not going to go with what sounds like it could be true, and I want to start trying to find out what is true. And that's, that's a bit, that, MySpace gave me that, because MySpace is so, there's so much variety, there's so many posts, there's so many ideas people have, and you can actually interact with people on that. The other thing that I really like about, about working on MySpace is I write way better blogs because of it. If some, if, if a, I've, I've lately had a couple of, of, of high school kids add me, and they're very smart and I'm, give me a lot of hope, but they ask these really sort of, those kind of questions that come from not having life experience. <laughs> right, right. The, the, which are the best questions in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel this kind of, obligation to really carefully answer that question for that person. And then as I'm writing it, I go, ooh, I should post this, right? Yeah. And it comes out so much better than if I sat there trying to, you know, po- to trying to preach on a blog. I know I couldn't write as well. I, I, I have the same experience. It's when you're trying to answer somebody's question and you're very sincere about it and you yeah. really want to help this person. And <laughs> it, it, it just, it's a great experience. And this is Robert Larson out the rabbit hole speaking today with... Uh, Corp, yeah, <laughs> as hi, we will Corp. call him. He runs the MySpace page, Corporations Ate My Baby. And uh, yes. It, if you want to find that page, you, you go to myspace.com forward slash re regulation, which is just all one word R E R E G U L A T I O N. It, oh, it's re regulation? Re regulation. That's, that's the actual address of it. Okay. Uh, www.myspace.com slash re regulation. Yeah. Okay, and we'll give that out again before the show's up. But uh, yeah, to kind of real quick, a little bit more about MySpace, then we'll come move, kind of move on. Okay. But uh, the yeah, end of the year we got to talk. We have so much to talk about. I know, I know. <laughs> it, it, but you know, MySpace, I think, you know, what is really uh, enticing about it and can be a very useful thing is this instant feedback. And when you put these these bulletins that you mentioned out, anybody who's online at the time can read it right then and there, and they can send you a message back. And it's, it's oh, almost... And right. And and there's an instant uh, message feature on there, which I don't use because it doesn't work on a Mac, but, right. but it, you don't really need it because no. people just message you right back and you get it within seconds. And uh, it's a it's a wonderful feature, and, and there's these random combinations too, because you have your friends list, but right. certain things you put out like blogs, anybody right. can read those, That's and you right. don't know who will leave a comment, and then you don't know who's going to be reading your stuff. You leave a comment on somebody else's page, yeah. and one of their friends sees it, and all of a sudden wants to be your friend, and That's then right. you're looped into their little network. It's it's a just uh, these sort of rolls of the dice that happen every yeah, day. You, just you create this. Com- you, you you once said you said that every day is a new experience because you have new people. 
Yeah. Right? And so you're going to have a new reaction. You're going to have a new challenge. You're going to have new bulletins. You're going to have new thoughts, new minds. It's, it's new every day. And there's always a picture attached to the person leaving the comments. I don't know, something about that feels really good. And then you can go to that person's page and you can look into it as deep as you want and find right. out who this person is, what they're about, or you can just be more superficial about it. But sure. you've got that option. And that's what uh, really makes it a, a fun tool to work with as well as a, a very valuable tool. This actually you- gets to a major question of mine as to why I started the page, which had to do with you know, during that frustration, during that period of knowing something was really wrong and that this, this country, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm a nerd. I'm really in love with the Constitution. I'm really in love with Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. I'm a nerd for them. They're rock stars to me. <laughs> and, you know, and just like any rock fan, you think that your, your favorite can do no wrong. And, and, and I had that sort of feeling. But then I wondered, you know, what is my civic duty if the gift that they gave us and that our grandparents fought for is under threat? What, what am I supposed to do, right? Because we just didn't get that kind of education coming up in public schools. You know, what is my civic duty? And I even asked my dad, you know, and he said, well, you know, just talk to people, you know, communicate. And, um, and that's what I do. I feel like this is the ultimate form of talking to people and communicating. And when you talk to people who aren't maybe as clever and just kind of say things straight out, you learn to temper your language to match sort of the way they talk so that you can reach them. Oh, yeah, the right? Tom Hartman thing. Right. Well, I mean, you, you hear, oh, is that, what it, yeah, is that an NLP thing? Yeah, he kind of talks about that as yeah. well as other things, yeah. Tom Hartman is one of my all-time heroes, and I just recently, <laughs> he's wonderful. He's so amazing. Yeah, you know, I want to be, be half as cool as him. But, um, yeah, me too. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, he's not. Dude, your thing is great, and, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry to nerd out on you too, but I just really, you know... I love going to the archives. There's so many great people you get on there. So, and you ask such great questions. So anyway, you know, I, I really enjoy this idea of being able to communicate to whoever is talking to me and to maybe be more humble about how I don't want to preach, right? You don't, you don't preach. I try not to. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And that's another thing about blogs. They kind of... Uh, Sometimes they seem kind of preachy because, you know, the old school thing of, like, the teacher telling you, get up there and say whatever it is you have to say like it's a fact. Don't say, in my opinion. You know, and that's true. When you read something, you want to hear a nice, solid, strong, right. you know, position. That's cool. But when you're, <laughs> when, you're, when you're writing letters back and forth to people, you don't do that. You sort of say, well, maybe you ask questions, you know, the Socratic method, you know. <laughs> right. you, know you, you sort of reach in and try to communicate. And I think it just makes the, the search for truth that much more accurate, or maybe accurate is not the word, but that much more sort of poignant, mm-hmm. you know, because well, I, you're I, talking to people. I really like the one thing you do where, you, you, you know, you do put out some facts and you say, here's the resource, here's where I got this, but then you say at a certain times, you'll say, now this here I'm speculating on, yep. and you're very upfront about that, and that's a really good thing. A lot of people <laughs> mix the two, right. the fa- solid facts with speculation. You and, sort of and, can't do that on a blog, you know? Yeah. You, you can do that on MySpace. You can say, look, I'm having an emotional moment here, and I just want to sort of rant. I think my blogs have been rants, you know? And rants are fun, you know. I mean, uh, there's a couple of people, you know, on, 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 on uh, progressive radio that just, I can't wait for their rants. 
You know, <laughs> the rants are the funnest part of the show. You know, Jeannie Garofalo used to go on these rants about psychology. They used to make me just go to heaven. They were so Oh, great. yeah, yeah. You know. And Mike Malloy's Mike uh, crazy rants. How great are they? <laughs> right? Right? You know, so, so, and you can't really rant as much on these sort of the official blogs because, you know, you're supposed to be very, you know, erudite and, and, and smart and clever. And it's the written word. Yes, it is. And, and I love the written word, and Shakespeare's better than me, and, and right on. <laughs> but but the, some, there's this infor, is it informality, right? There's an informality about MySpace that adds to my education and, I think, to spreading ideas. Yes, yes. And so anybody who's not familiar with MySpace, we urge you to, to check it out. And, and, and you know, not we're <laughs> just it's a tool. It's a yeah, fun it's tool. Cool. And uh, uh, MySpace.com slash re-regulation is your page for Corporations Ate My Baby. Yep. OK. All right. So. So, yeah, let, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, how has corporate power become so detri- detrimental to almost everyone and everything, and, and how do we go about re-regulating it? Well, let's start from what we, let's start from what we know. You know, we, we know that, that, uh, that, our, that, that, that a Republican president, you know, uh, Eisenhower, who seemed like a pretty good general in World War II, who was very concerned about his men, seemed to have a heart, you know, as far as we know. I mean, you know, history books are not always the most accurate things in the world, but he seems like, a, like he was a pretty conscientious guy. He felt the need to point out to the American people that the Pentagon, I'm going, to, I'm going to call it the Pentagon because I think of the, a lot of people don't know what to think the Pentagon is, but I like to think of the Pentagon as a clearinghouse for contracting, for corporations to build the American government things it needs mm-hmm. or things it doesn't need, <laughs> or you know, $500 toilet seats or whatever it is. But it's this sort of clearinghouse for taking American taxpayer money and creating this sort of industry. And this, this, this Republican president said, who, whose, whose vice president was Nixon, okay, <laughs> who, was George, you know, who was George Bush's grandfather's, you know, uh, you know ward almost, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and he said, listen, I want to warn America that there's this danger of giving this industry too much power. And I'm always fascinated when the people at the top talk about industry because there's something going on there. You know, if he says that, we've got to look out for it. So, you know, fast forward, we had all these great, you know, all the unions gave us these great regulations. They gave us clean air. They gave us OSHA. They gave us standards for workers' safety. 40-hour work week. People used to have to work in mines till they dropped dead. Yeah. No, you know, if they didn't have powerful friends and people, you could abuse them as much as you wanted because they signed up for it, right? They signed up to get some work. They were treated like animals, right? Children in mines, children working, all this terrible stuff. And our grandfathers and great-grandfathers stood up and said, you know, we're human beings. Let's have some rules on this. And somehow we were able to regulate, probably with Teddy Roosevelt and then probably with FDR, we were able to regulate these businesses to some degree and kind of have a... A, a, a fair trade between using human labor sort of as a machine and remembering that they were humans and giving them something at the end of their life. And, and what happened? It created the greatest, I, I, I argue, and I think Tom Hartman probably argues too, the greatest human conditions for, the, for we the talking apes 
that have, that has ever been throughout history, uh, at least in in the in the uh, it may, you know maybe maybe in the in the historically recorded world, yeah, where we had free time, we had uh, comforts, we had food, we had clothing, we had all kinds of wonderful rock and roll. You know, yeah, we we had this incredible life, and it really sort of started at the end of the '30s and kind of kicked in after the war. And kind of went all the way up till 1980, <laughs> right? And then, boom! What did what did what did Reagan do? He deregulated everything. Deregulated everything and and took away the unions' uh, powers. Right. And uh, yeah, but we had that period, and and everyone agrees that there was this explosion of the middle class. There, there. Prior to that, there really wasn't much of a middle class in the United States, and it's starting to go back to that now. The middle class has been declining for since the eighties, and and. You talk to some of these right wingers, some of these George Bush supporters, and the people, and and they think that that middle class explosion was either like a fluke or mm-hmm. or because there were no regulations, which there is the opposite is the truth. Absolutely. But Absolutely. you can find this out. You you can watch the brilliant documentary, The Corporation, the Corporation. which I know we're both big fans of. Yep. You can go to the uh, Center for Econo- uh, Economic uh, what is CEPR. Uh, you know the group I'm speaking no, about? I don't. Center for Economic... Uh, and Policy Research. Policy Research. And they have a lot of facts about this, about how all these measurements of quality of life, yeah. of, of having a middle class, were so wonderful in that time period that you just stated, yeah. up till about 1980, and well, has been declining sense, ever since. It? I mean, yeah. anyone that would argue that point with us is talking from talking points, or they're being lied to. But if, if they were to stop and stop saying, oh, that sounds like, you know socialism or communism, and just look at it. Just look at the numbers. Just sit down and look at, you know, when you take a, a thermometer out and you put it in something and you can watch the mercury go up and it goes to a number, we can all agree that that's the number. You can agree with the numbers of how many, how big the middle class got and how healthy it was and how good it was. You know, and, and what Janine Garofalo used to say was, and that drove the elites crazy. <laughs> they couldn't stand that we had free time to protest. <laughs> they couldn't stand that. They couldn't stand that we had free time to, you know, to ask for rights and to, and to, and to expand the dream, you know. And they said, we got to put a stop to that. Nixon actually called um, the increased amount of voting among young, among the 18-year-olds, a crisis in democracy, <laughs> right? That's how they think, and they really believe that. They really believe that more of us participating is bad, you know. And I'm sorry, my position is the more of us that participate, the better society is, the better it is for all of us, the better it is for the planet, the better it is for, you know, do Republicans really not want clean water? I can't believe that, you know. Or do they have some special magic water cleaner? Yeah. (laughs) Because they're elites. Come on. But yeah, the fact is, when we had higher rates of unionization, when we had more regulations on the corporations, when we had higher tax rates on the wealthy and the corporations, when we had tariffs, uh, these types of things, (laughs) all sorts of measurements of quality of life were better. All boats rose. All boats rose. Right. So it's it's the, the... dueling or the you know the dueling metaphors of uh what's the one you just said a a rising tide lifts all boats and then there's the other one that it's the race to the bottom (laughs) with the the deregulation so real quick what is it what are some quick steps that could be done with the right person in office or the right congress to 
re-regulate these corporations to, you know, we're not saying we don't want to have corporations. That's fine, but they need to be reconstructed. What can we do? Look, look it, you know, the, the best way to put it is, I've heard a few put people, different people put it this way, it's sort of like a baseball game. You've got, you know, if you had a baseball game with no umpires, then whoever cheated the best would win. And whoever, and that's no fun, that's no fun to play, and it's no fun to watch. What we want is a market that is regulated so that we can all play on it, and it's fun to do, and, it's, and it turns out to be better for us. So what do we do? Well, first of all, you know, what, what did our heroes, what did, what did the great regulators of the past do? They clamped down. They said, listen, listen, you can't do this. And the truth is, when you argue specific points, when you get to the facts, when you get to the points, most people, most people who aren't the elite, who, aren't, who don't have that human weakness of insane greed, which is just a human weakness, like the fact that you can't see infrared. <laughs> you know, all of us might have an inner greed monster in us if we were tempted, right? Right. But so, and so, so all of us who aren't in that position of being able to be tempted need to stand up to those who are being tempted, who are just our brothers, you know, mm-hmm. and say, guys, uh-uh, your party's over. And what we have to do, you know, uh, is we have to do what those that came before us did, but in a slightly... I, I don't think you can telegraph it now because these corporations are so powerful. They're, they, they are beyond anything we've ever seen in human existence. So you kind of have to sneak in, and you kind of have to look like you're a moderate, and then you have to get the information out there. Two things, two main things. One, we have to redefine the corporate charter. That is where the power lies. The government decides what a corporate charter is. You're a corporation because we, the people, let you be. And we can change the definition of what that is. Right. And, and I know I sound like a hippie, but, but, you know, we can ask you, or we can tell you, and we can regulate you, that being a corporation means you have to exist for the public good, not just for your shareholders. Right. And, and we need to make it clear here, for those who don't know, that corporations do not exist apart from government. They only exist because they have a government charter. It's That's not right. something that is part of a completely free market. So right. that, that line needs to be... <laughs> Which is why when the libertarians, the, the, the new young libertarians come along and they sort of get purist on me, I say, look, look, you know, we have, we have, these, we have these rules for a reason. We, we have these... There's an, there's an important reason why we, the people, who are the government have the one trump card over consolidated power called business because consolidated power of any kind is a threat to a free society rfk junior just said it he said corporations are hostile to free markets they don't want them and corporations are hostile to democracy they really are because their first and only goal is profit and that means at all costs and that means We the people and our government, our job, literally, is to to, to let them try to be sharks, you know, and eat everything. And then put up nice, big, thick walls so they can't, that they have to bump into and they can't eat all the other fish, right? That's all the regulations are. It's not that we don't want to have a wonderful, thriving market. It's that we don't want the sharks to eat up all the, the little fish and then just have nothing but a few sharks left. And then they eat each other and then, you know. 
You, it, you've, it, got, you've got Nero fiddling on the roof. Right, and we can go on and on about right. everything that's going on now that's the result of this, all these uh, globalization and yeah. the uh, destruction of the environment are all because of these corporations do not have uh, enough regulations. Because it's the law that they must make money. Right, so they right? do things that are... are so they're comp- daring us to regulate them. Come on, regulate <laughs> me, right? You know? And then the other thing that we have to do is once we rewrite the charter, we have to slam down on the one industry mentioned in our Constitution, which is the free press. Absolutely. We must have a free press back. And I mean, we must. I, I'm seri- I could not be more deadly serious. Being on this, you know, this experience of being on the Internet and, and communicating, you, you get to see people sort of post little clips of what the mainstream media is doing and saying. And some of these things are literally, they would have been crimes during World War II. It's pure propaganda in, in you know, they, they would have gone to prison or been executed during the, during the, uh, during the, the, uh, the, the, the trials, you know, uh, the, the, the Nazi war crime trials. Some of this stuff is so unconscionably bad. And it is so not what our founders would allow for us to, we, you know, we're not supposed to let this stand. So, the, the, you know, media consolidation is a crime. It is a crime against our Constitution. It is a crime against the First Amendment. It is a crime against the way we live. A, a crime against democracy. A crime against like democracy, my brother. You know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's like it, what it is is the the practice of democracy is hindered by this, you know, by this whole limiting folks' access to accurate information right. or purposely putting out false information yes. and branding it news, right. you know, such as the perfect example is Fox News. Well, That's yeah, you know. F-A-U-X. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> F-A-U-X. I, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think Murdoch is, is, has stated he's hostile, you know, to, uh, to, to giving the sheep anything other than what the elites want them to know. And you, we literally can't do this thing. We can't be America if we don't have uh, a clear idea of information. If you pour mud in the water, you can't see. Right. So you what can't we, see. You can't do your job. We need to, again, it comes back to re-regulation. We need to break up these media monopolies. This is terrible because... We've done it before. Right, and we need to do it again because it it's again. too concentrated. Yes, I like your way of putting it. Yeah. We're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, break that up. And, and because of the corporate model that you talked about where it's all just purely about making profit... Yep. You have this serious problem, even if there wasn't the consolidation, you have this problem of newsrooms uh, used to be they didn't have to turn a profit. An entertainment division would make the profit, and the newsroom was considered your service, your exactly. civic duty to present news. that like presented a public service announcement. Right, right. Presented a variety of viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And now it's no. The newsroom has to make a profit on its own. No, it's a crime. So therefore, they're putting out all of the the Anna Nicole Smith and Britney Spears and all the stuff that is not about, right. you know, what's really important. If, 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 I mean, there's room for that. Okay, there's room for that on cable. There's 700 channels. You got to fill it with something. Yeah, no problem. But, yeah. But 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 the truth is that anyone who loves the Constitution right now has to think about this. Whether you're left, right, center, crazy, I don't care. If you've got if you've got a media that can't that that obfuscates. You know, the truth, so much that people don't know which way is up. We can't do our job as citizens. If we can't do our job as citizens, we don't have the United States of America as a democratic republic anymore.
The perfect example, too, of this was the uh, about the time that the Iraq invasion occurred. Something like 69% of Americans believed that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9-11. Was, what was, am I... I had an aunt who pointed at Iraq and said, that bin Laden is so bad. You know, she, she's like, I'm so glad they, they, when they, when they caught Saddam in the spider hole, she said, I'm so glad they got that Ben, B-E-N, Laden, <laughs> right? And I'm like, wow, she just has no idea. She's been listening to right-wing radio or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so the, those are the, the problems, and, and we may not have actually, I think we probably would not have done committed that horrible crime, that horrible mistake of invading yeah. I- Iraq had people been given the truth and not been propagandized by Fox well, News and right-wing radio and all remember, the rest. Remember, the, the people who came into power were part of this elite group of, these elite group of greed monkeys that hide behind these corporate logos. And these corporate logos had some plans, okay, way before, during the Clinton administration, these, these, these greed monkeys had plans. And they were going to try to make it happen. The question is, would we have been able to stand up to it? And I think back then, you're right, we would have been able to. We, had, we still had enough power to stand up to them. Um, you know, they had, they had the, the Congress sewn up, uh, you know, but we, I think we still had, you know, anchors that would have said something true on the air. I think we still had people, you know, all the anchors that knew stuff are gone. Have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, you yeah know, Dan Katie Rather. Katie Couric is an important symbol of what happened to us. Just, I just want to say that, all right? You know, we had the guy that followed Edward R. Murrow, and and the guy, well, the guy that that followed uh, uh, Walter Cronkite, right? Mm-hmm. And he was he was a guy that really believed in that stuff. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he was definitely part of that school, you know, part of that war school. And he's gone, you know. And we got Katie Couric, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, come on. <laughs> and you know. The, the, the great blessing is that the Internet is going to shut down television. I mean, television is going to become a lot less important. Well, yeah, and we're, we're going to keep uh, working on that, and we're going to do that. This is Robert Larson, Out the Rabbit Hole, speaking today with Corp. We're talking about his uh, page, Corporations Ate My Baby, and you can check that out at myspace.com slash re-regulation. That's the URL, right? Yes, that uh, is. Okay, and also want to re- remind you all listening that the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management mm-hmm. or the UC Board of Regents. And I also want to um, let you know that you can give me some feedback as well. Uh, that's uh, rglarson at org. You can also catch me on MySpace. That's myspace.com slash out the rabbit hole. So, uh, Corp, let's, uh, boy, this time has been going by fast. We, got, we haven't touched on 9-11, man, and we haven't, we haven't touched on the president. Or, you know, okay, let, let's, uh, let's do this thing real quick, okay. th- this 9-11 thing. All right. Okay. That's how I, that, that, that's the, you know, besides the word, the word, besides the movie, The Corporation, which is the first thing I posted on my page. Yeah, The, the Corporation. Uh, just throwing up all kinds of crazy 9-11 conspiracies. Yeah, okay, so we've had a few people on this program discuss how, Many facts about 9-11 don't match the official narrative. Now, now, without opening that can of worms, could you just, <laughs> I know, could you just real quickly direct us to a couple of the cans sure. where people can find real facts and decide whether or not they want to get out the can opener? Okay. But moreover, can you tell us, a la Naomi Klein, what is more important about oh, well, 9-11? I, I dedicate this next, this, these next moments to the, all the people in the world who've ever tried to just discuss this topic 
and got screamed at. <laughs> what? You know, we can't even talk about it. That's how good this whole shutdown is. You okay. Know, the can the, the the most important can probably is just the simple the, the simple one film called Press for Truth, which is nothing but uh, 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 official mainstream media reports lined up in a timeline. It's just stuff that was reported in the mainstream media lined up. That alone, just the paper trail alone, gives you an idea that mm, we're not getting the official story, right? Something's wrong. Look, do you believe that, that the, the, the most secret administration in the world, the Bush administration, has been honest with us, really honest with us about any major event of political import? No, absolutely not. I, I, I don't think not. anyone does. Yeah. I, I think so you can argue that that's a good or a bad thing, you know, because, we, because they want to be safe or whatever, but they're not honest with us about it. And all I argue for is let's get the facts out on the table. Let, it's been six years or whatever, seven, you know. Let's, um, let's get it. Let's get, let's get some facts out on the table. Even if the official story is true, somebody really screwed up, didn't they? Yeah. Th- right? there, there is at the very least a uh, criminal negligence that occurred on that day or, cr- or a criminal in, in, uh, incompetence. Right. Okay, so, but... Simply, simply, simply stated, you know, when NORAD sees a plane off course or when a, when a transponder goes off, they meet that plane in 12 minutes at the most. You know, four minutes. They're right next to it. You're telling me that four planes in the air did that and the, and, and the Pentagon couldn't turn on its defenses after 90 minutes? If that's true, and I don't, I don't buy that for a second, but if that's true, somebody really screwed up, and we need to know because and, it's our democracy. And if, and if that person screwed up, no, nobody paid a price for it. I mean, you should, at the very least, should have lost your job. Uh, please, so, <laughs> you know, and and, and so as a warning to others to pay attention. Yeah. So 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 I would go with I would go with I, I would I would I would go on and I would uh, go onto Google Video mm-hmm. and I would uh, take a look at um, uh, David Ray Griffin. Okay. David Ray Griffin was a guy that wrote a lot about uh, the way the way uh, traditional religions formed and he was he was a very respected scholar and kind of not a very uh, a very soft spoken quiet. You know, guy in his sixties with you know, he's just pretty, a sweet pretty guy. conservative guy. Very conservative guy, very intelligent guy, and he just kind of lays out to you logically what sort of could happen and what sort of couldn't happen, just using logic. And I'm a big fan of logic. Logic saved me. The other thing that saved me, as we were talking about, was Naomi Klein, because I got sick of fighting with people about things they wouldn't even look at. Right? In other words, I said, "Well, take a look at this information. Tell me, does this make sense to you?" And they'd say, "No." No, I, I don't want to know what, what those crazy people are saying about 9-11. That's an insult. No, it's not. It's an insult not to look at what's going on with our elected officials. That's an insult. But, okay, you don't want to look. I can't talk to you if you don't want to look. I, we, if we can't discuss information and facts, if we can't look at simply uh, you know, the, the evidence that's just around us, if, we, if you won't look at the, at the thermometer, I, we can't talk about the temperature. Yeah. You know, and so Naomi Klein freed me. I'm done arguing 9-11 with people because Naomi Klein changed the whole thing for me. She said, it doesn't matter. And I'll tell you, a year ago, if somebody said that to me, I would have gone, what? Mm -hmm. You know, excuse me? 
you know, one, if, if it was, if there were some insiders involved, uh, that's like a major, that, that, that's like saying it doesn't matter if Kennedy wasn't killed by the lone gunman. Right. Of course it matters, right? But, sh- but I believe her now, because what she said was the shock, the, 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 uh, the, the disaster is the tool or the method by which the real crime happens. And, by, and the thing that we can arm ourselves against by becoming shockproof. And I think that this page has really helped me to become more shockproof. Because whether I'm talking to you and we're agreeing, or we're sort of agreeing, or whether I'm talking to somebody who doesn't agree with me, I've got logic now, and I've got a clear vision now that we need to stop being able to be led around like scared sheep. We have to stop that. We have to stand up and say, I choose to know what's going on. I choose my civil liberties. I choose to stay with the Constitution. I choose not to torture people. You know, I choose not to play this game of give me safety because I'm scared. I'm not scared. I choose not to give up my civil liberties. That's it. And so, yeah, Naomi Klein is saying that it's... 9-11 happened. That's it. We, we, yeah. We'll, we'll find out more about it because the Internet's going to make sure that happens. We'll figure that out. We will. But we it's, will. it's what came after. It's these guys. In her book of, for, uh, is called The Shock Doctrine. Shock Doctrine, right. What's the subtitle? Uh, uh, the, the, the Rise of Disaster Capital. Yeah. And so it's about when these shocks happen, whether contrived or not, it's what these people do, these right. certain, uh, what do we want to call them, neocons? Or, <laughs> uh, they're different, uh, you know, the whole crew. The, the think tankers. R- what they try <laughs> to put in place. And it's all things that people don't want, but right. they'll, they'll accept it when they're in shock. And, right. and the Patriot Act, the military commissions. Would you, would you accept your pay being cut in half? No. Mm-hmm. Would you fight like crazy to keep your pay where, at least where it is? Of course you would, but not if there was just a tsunami. Right? Yeah, you might right. not fight for your wages when you're sort of digging your house out. Right. You just need to take care of business. and you, you, That's you, right. Yeah. So, and there are, there are sharks out there, again, comes back to the metaphor of sharks. That's right. Who will uh, take advantage of the situation That's and right. eat you alive. So, uh, real quick. Whatever 9-11 qu- is, uh, I believe that there's something that, we, that we're going to find out more about as we go along. And I think that a lot, a lot more Americans than will say so believe that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but my belief doesn't matter. What matters is what we see in front of us. And what we see in front of us is people doing horrible things and taking advantage of these shocks. And that's the thing that we as Americans must recognize immediately and start to stand up to by saying, look what they do. We're not going to take this. Okay. And so, again, if people want to open the can of worms and really look at all the weirdness of 9-11, David Ray Griffin, and mm-hmm. what was the name of the, the, the film, the YouTube uh, video? Well, I would just... I would just uh, Type in, type in David Ray Griffin and, and look for some of He's got one in Copenhagen. It's fantastic. But I would also look at uh, 9-11 Press for Truth. And if you really want to, you know, if, you want, if you're sort of under 30, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe under 25, um, check, out, uh, check out the new version of, of, um, of Loose Change. It's very good. And David Ray Griffin's a part of it. Uh, and if you're sort of over 30, and you want a sort of more, you know, a little less hip, a little bit more sort of factual feeling. Uh, there's still nothing better than 9-11 mysteries. It's just so clearly laid out. It's so logical. It's so sober. It doesn't guess. It doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't feel like it's full of any kind of belief. It just feels like 
Here's information. Here's information. And I know people are scared to look at that information, and I don't blame you, but Naomi Klein has told us we've got to stop being scared. Okay, and so more importantly, check out Naomi Klein's book, yeah, The Shock Doctrine. Start and, with Naomi Klein. Yeah, and, and, and we'll try to get her on the show. That, that would be great. So we're just about out of time. I, real, I want to touch on this real quick, so okay. you have to make this as brief as possible, right. uh, Corp. Uh, Okay, the Iowa caucuses are next week. Here they come. There are two real anti-war candidates, Paul on the Republican side, Kucinich on the Democratic side. As opposed to handicapping, if either has a realistic chance of getting the nomination, could you talk about the importance of these two candidates, uh, starting with Paul, real briefly? Ron Paul, to me, is a miracle. And, uh, you know, all of my liberal friends are like, how can you support this guy? You know, he's, he's, uh, he's so conservative. He's a Republican. What are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. Here's a guy that's gotten people who have never thought about politics before to read the Constitution. That has to be a good thing. That has to be a good thing. Whether you think I'm a, a, a lefty liberal uh, 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 communist or not, we love the Constitution together. We love it. We could sit down and geek out on the Constitution. And now there's more people I can do that with. Thank you, Ron Paul. Also, the way people are sending him money and the way people are, are feeling like he is the answer feels like Howard Dean. It feels like Deaniacs. And who, and who on the left could tell me that the Deaniacs wasn't a great thing? It was a great thing. Yeah, it got people excited and interested in the whole process. And, Absolutely. And so, and Ron Paul, he, he's about, uh, you know, keeping us, uh, keeping big government from getting out of control. And then sure. Kucinich on the other side is... He's the other half of the equation to be American. To be American, you need to keep big government from, getting, from, from taking over business, you know, and from taking over our lives. And, and to be a good American, you also have to stop big business from consolidating power and making it impossible for you and me to go to work without being abused, or for you and me to breathe air without breathing poison. You have to have the other side, too, and Dennis Kucinich is all about that. He would re-regulate corporations. There's no question in my mind. But he says it, you see. And uh, the thing is, probably the only person that's really going to be able to do any good for us is somebody who isn't saying it. Yeah, and somebody who can get elected. Who, who can okay. get elected, and then will quietly change their position and go, by the way, I'm going to re-regulate the corporations and give American back to Americans. You hey, know, we're out of time. Back to Americans. we we got to go. I, I wish right. we had more time. But it was uh, an honor talking to you. I, was, I had so much fun. It was great, great having you on the show, Corp. Uh, and the page is Corporations Ate My Baby. Give us that URL again. Uh, uh, you know, myspace.com forward slash re-regulation, all one word. Okay. Uh, thanks again so much for being with us. My pleasure. Okay. Yes, that's Corporations Ate My Baby. Please uh, check out that page, and it's it's real, really interesting. You will be educated and get all kinds of insights. And i uh, got to close out the show here. Robert Larson, uh, Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Next week, my guest will be Michael Ratner from uh, the Center for Constitutional Rights, and uh, that's going to be a great show. And, uh, again, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And we've got Ryder Palmier uh, right here uh, ready to go with your dog's uh, breakfast, so stay tuned for that. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org.